Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. Welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. Of course, my co-host, David Blackman, will be joining me momentarily. But before I bring him on, I wanted to talk to you quickly about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. You know, it is dedicated to women in the energy industry, the November-December issue, in which the cover is Myrtle Jones, Vice President of Halliburton. And she has an amazing story of determination, drive, a wonderful education, and a superstar when you read her story. I encourage you to go to shalemag.com, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com, and read all about Myrtle and, of course, all the other interesting articles that are inside of the November-December issue of Shell Magazine. And speaking of Shell Magazine, I'd also like to encourage our listeners to contact us if you are interested in getting the new 2021 media kit. You know, it's the holidays, and we're all enjoying time with our family and friends, But I would also like to mention that it's also a great opportunity for us to sit and back for a little bit and think about how we are going to start the new year off right for our businesses. If you are wanting to market to the oil and gas, I encourage you to visit shellmag.com and request a media kit in which you will find all of the editorial content that is scheduled for 2021. And it also will give you an opportunity to think about how you're going to advertise your company to the oil and gas sector or to the general public. For more information on a media kit or to learn more about Shell Magazine and how you can advertise with them, please go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and request a media kit. And now it's time to welcome on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas. I have to say we are having some amazing weather all over. It's so nice and crisp and cool outside. And yet uh, the sun is out. It's just, you're right. It's absolutely fabulous weather for here in San Antonio anyway. Just just the same, hopefully, <laughs> as in your area. Let's get started. You know, all, all beautiful weather set aside, we've had a tumultuous, terrible year, 2020. I'm sure every single person on the planet is ready to kick out 2020 and bring on 2021. But we have had a nice surge in both rig count and oil prices over the past two months. So what are some of the factors that have been driving this good news? And what do you think the recovery, or do you think it's a recovery that we can continue to see throughout the new year 2021? Is this what's going to finally ring in for us as a better year in 2021? Well, I certainly hope so. Um, we have had a, a good two months. We've had a 20% increase in oil prices, about a 30% jump in the rig count, uh, according to Baker Hughes. But of course, you know, that's from a almost all-time record low count, uh, below 200 active rigs, up to about 330 now. Um, It it has been a nice recovery. We've had uh, a lot of bullish factors in play in the market recently. We've had very strong recovering demand in Eastern Asia, uh, in China, Japan, uh, Korea, South Korea, and who knows about North Korea, we never know, but but uh, we, we've had good, strong demand recovery there, and we've had good, strong demand recovery even in Europe. 
in the U.S., despite all the ongoing COVID restrictions, people are ready to get in their cars and move around. And, and of course, we're heating our homes now and, and using quite a lot of energy that way as well. So, Demand's you know, up, even though uh, up. it seems to be crazy what's going on yep. in the world. Yep. Can we switch gears and talk sure. about OPEC Plus because the agreement for next year, what are the details uh, that the group and these countries agreed to? We have to remember that OPEC today is keeping about 7.7 million barrels of oil every day of their own production off of the market. They're not producing it. They could produce it. They're not. What they agreed to do beginning in January is to go down to put more oil onto the market. 500,000 barrels a day starting on January 1st. They are going to reassess. You know, they have been reassessing this deal every three or six months. Mm -hmm. Now they're going to reassess every month. They're going to track it all in real time Mm -hmm. and they're going to make adjustments month to month. If they see at the end of January, you know, that that they can afford to put another half a million barrels of oil per day on the market, they're going to do that. So it's going to be a lot more of a fluid situation than we've had uh, within that agreement uh, over the last couple of years. And and the problem that presents for shell producers, of course, is that their business models still depend on that deal holding together. And so frankly, is it any we, better that they're doing month to month for this, you know, the producers here in North America? Does it have that? Not potential? really. I don't think so. Now, I, producers may tell you different. I don't know. But, but I think it reduces their level of certainty within their business model. And because it can change operations very quickly. Thrive on certainty. That's right. It can change month to month. Right. And so you know, these companies, these bigger companies uh, work on drilling budgets that they plan every six months, typically. They'll plan a first half of the year budget and a second half of the year budget. Now, you know, they're going to have to really be very flexible within their budgeting uh, and their capital spending uh, for, for every month and, and may have to make adjustments depending on what OPEC Plus does because that's going to influence whether the price goes up or down. So it's gonna, I, I just think it reduces certainty. It creates a little more tension within these companies and make them, make them less able to predict how the business is going to go from month to month. Your opinion, any other businesses that are quite as fickle as the oil and gas? I mean, these guys really, <laughs> they go through so much of uncertainty, and yet it's a commodity that we cannot live without. And it's crazy to see what what they have to endure. Let's switch gears, talk about natural gas prices. On the other hand, they have taken a nosedive over the past two weeks. What's happening on that side of the business? Yeah, well, we're having a warm winter. You know, everybody two months ago thought we were going to have a cold winter. Uh, That has not uh, come about. And so we're not using as much natural gas as people thought we would be using. And that's creating a glut on the market. Mm -hmm. And so the price is going down. Hopefully, we'll start getting some real cold fronts here pretty soon and, uh, you know, start using that natural gas and, and firm the price up a little bit. But it's, it's you know, it's just how it goes every winter for this industry. If, if it's a warm winter, gas prices are going to suffer as a result, and, and here we are again. Now, you talked about earlier that there's a, a demand for energy again coming back all over the world. And so how does... The oil and gas, I mean, the natural gas, if it's taking a nosedive here, how does it, is it on the global stage as well? Is it affecting prices globally of what's being shipped out and yeah. exported? 
we're having a, a warm winter all in the Northern hemisphere. And so that's where most of the gas is used. And so prices are softening everywhere. But again, you know, long-term, the demand for natural gas is only going to increase. And, uh, and, and so if you are a natural gas producer in the United States, if you can make money at these prices, uh, you're in pretty good shape if you're sitting on a big, big reserve of natural gas for the long term. Let's uh, talk quickly about the situation at hand. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the political circle, and I, I don't want to get into, you know, really nasty situation that's going on. But as far as energy prices and the stock market has been up, is energy driving any of what appears to be a really good rebound for stocks? What is triggering well, that? Yeah, and what part sure. of it is an energy in that part? Or, you know, what's Cheap energy. It? Cheap energy, you know, reduces costs for everybody. Uh, I, I filled my car up with gas last week, and the price for regular at the station I go to was $1.65 a gallon. Now, I haven't seen a, a price of gasoline that low in this century. I need I to find where you're buying that gas because I'm not Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing. It was at a quick trip convenience store down the street from where we live. And, um, you know, I, I, it's just incredible. And so low gas prices uh, help everybody's profitability. Okay, yes, uh, low gas prices, but yeah. there is such uncertainty between, will it be the Trump administration and the Biden administration, oh. which are worlds apart on oil and gas and energy and how we're going to proceed yeah. forward. I would have thought that would have triggered some uncertainty there for that reason, but it doesn't seem to be having that effect whatsoever. No, I think I think the assumption the market's making is that the Trump challenges to the election will fail and, and that Biden will be president. And so they, they believe it's a it's not an uncertain situation, I think, investors. And that's why why the stock market is has been improving here recently. Um, because again, just like a business, the market thrives on certainty. Mm-hmm. And, and they just don't believe these these court challenges are going to prevail. So uh, I think that's really what's happening there. Interesting thing is we'll see how interesting it is what happens with the Texas lawsuit that just occurred. Yeah. Uh, that is, uh, I think, a game changer from all of the media reports that I'm reading potentially. And so we might see some uncertainty because of this. This is a game changer in, in many ways from from what I'm reading. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it could too? be. It, it could be. It's certainly a different approach. And uh, if you have common sense and can actually read the text of the Constitution, it certainly seems to have merit. But as as we have seen so many times in the past, you don't you don't know how judges uh, <laughs> judges tend to read things differently than common common people do. And so um, who knows how that's going to come out? Well, I'll agree with you on that. And David, with that, we're going to close out this segment. When we return, we will be joined by Richard Hyde, president of One Future. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to men mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. If you'd like more information, go to womensenergynetwork.org slash South Texas or call 855-390-0650. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. 
as a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment, and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. And now, David, it's time for us to welcome on our guest today, Richard Hyde, who is the Executive Director for One Future. Richard, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. I received some press releases from your organization, and I was quite happy to have received them because I wasn't really familiar with your organization and what you guys have been doing to really help us understand or a coalition coming together to help us figure out what are we doing with methane gas and and how does that correlate into natural gas. And so I'm going to start off with, for our listeners, asking you if you can tell us a little bit about the mission of One Future and your background and the description of the organization, if you will. Absolutely. So One Future um, was born back in 2014. At the time, there were seven natural gas companies that were looking at the landscape under the Obama administration after, you know, looking at um, going into the Paris Climate Accord and went to EPA and said, you know, we have a program that we believe will be effective um, and we want this to be a, a voluntary program, not, a, not necessarily a, a, a prescriptive pr- program. Um, and it's based on um, a flexible um, usage of the tools to reduce methane emissions. So, you know, leak detection, leak repairs, things like that. Um, but to hold us accountable, we set a goal. Um, so we use a, a, a metric called methane intensity, which simply is, is your emissions as the numerator and your, um, your production or your throughput as the denominator. And so that gives you a, a methane intensity rate. Um, so we said that we will we would uh, drop our emissions to a 1% methane intensity rate by 2025. At the time, back in 2014, kind of the, the, the standard or what kind of where, where the methane intensity rate was at the time, could, it was kind of an, it's kind of an argued number, but it was somewhere between two and a half to one and a half so we thought that was kind of a, a stretch goal to get to the 1% by 2025. It also was derived from some studies that had been done by some of the environmental organizations that said that in order for natural gas to be competitive as a, uh, as a fuel, as a, against any fossil fuel uh, in any usage, whether it be transportation, power generation, 
or uh, direct use of natural gas, that the methane intensity rate need to be 1% or less. So we kind of use that as our as our metric um, and kind of the, 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 the accountability for EPA to hold us on. It took about two years to get EPA to kind of approve our uh, program, but they did back in 2016. Um, we started to grow our organization from the original seven to now we're 34 companies. One of the unique things about One Future is that we cover from the wellhead mm -hmm. all the way to the burner tip. So we, we cover the entire natural gas value chain. We think that's important because we view methane emissions as a industry issue and it's not necessarily one segment issue. It's not just it's not just a production issue, it's not just a distribution issue, it's an industry issue. And we also believe that uh, natural gas has a place even in a net zero carbon economy. But that being said, the key fundamentally is we have to work on reducing our methane emissions. So as we grow our organization, we, uh, we continue to really kind of focus on driving down the methane emissions that are um, within the entire natural gas value chain. So let me go through just for our listeners. There's nearly 179 million natural gas customers in the U.S., 69 million homes, 185,400 factories, 5.5 million businesses like hotels, restaurants, hospitals, schools, and supermarkets, electricity-generated units. You know, when we look at, you said across the value chain, I just wanted to give our listeners uh, a real visual of this affects agriculture. It affects every part of our life, energy efficiency. It's nice to see that your membership is very diverse. It isn't just, I mean, I know you're on the, in the Oil Patch Radio Show. And thank you for coming on. But you're covering everything from utility companies to focusing on the whole gamut. Who are your members? What Because they're very vast. There's all sure. different types of members. So we go from, so EQT, uh, which is actually the largest natural gas producer in the, Uni in the, in the, in the United States, yeah. um, to smaller companies like Eagle Claw, which is a, a smaller midstream company that is involved in the processing and the gathering and boosting downstream to largest pipes, you know, larger pipelines, uh, Kinder Morgan, Enbridge, Williams, um, all the way down to our district, you know, distribution companies is, is vast as Southern Company Gas, is Dominion, Atmos Energy. Um, and then we have smaller utilities such as Summit Utilities, which is a um, primarily a, a northeastern small in Maine, but they have other in Missouri and, and other locations. So it's a uh, it's kind of a, a vast uh, array of folks. We go from the northeast United States to the northwest. We have upper, you know we have members that are in uh, in uh, Northwest Utilities, uh, or excuse me, Northwest Natural Gas, which is a utility in the northwest. Um, we cover most of the uh, producing basins in the U.S. And we cover a large swath of the end-use customers and, 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 and everything kind of in between. So we have a, a, a nice variety, nice diversity, but also enough scale now to really kind of have an impact. I agree with you. And it is nice to see such a, a diverse group. And, of course, the oil and gas industry is very much a part of this and what they're producing, the natural gas. When we come back from break, I want to get into some of the deeper questions pertaining to natural gas. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch radio show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Richard Hyde, the Executive Director of One Future. Richard, before the break, you were kind of telling us the mission. Who are your members? According to the Energy Information Administration, the future of natural gas is plentiful, um, and it is definitely on the rise, of course, to keep all of us safe and warm or cool, if you will. But I want to drill down a little bit and turn over the mic to David Blackman, my co-host, to kind of ask some questions pertaining to the natural gas environmental groups. Yeah, uh, Richard, of course, um, natural gas has kind of been demonized by the environmental community for the past dozen years since they began uh, kind of a concerted campaign against hydraulic fracturing leading into the Obama years. Uh, I I think it's important that we talk about, uh, give you an opportunity to talk about the role that natural gas, in spite of all this demonization, has already played in helping clean up our environment uh, here in the United States and really globally. Well, yeah, thanks. Thank you, David. Uh, that's absolutely correct. You know, you look at, you know, natural gas, it is um, it's a very clean fuel. Uh, when you compare with other fossil fuels, such as coal, it obviously, you know, it is a tremendous uh, asset to, to drive in down emissions. Um, you know, we believe from a one future perspective that that all fuels are necessary if we're going to if we're going to be successful as a as a country. Uh, and even as a world, I mean, all fuels are necessary. Uh, but just kind of putting on my natural gas hat, it it, it is the cleanest. It's efficient. Um, you know, it's even if you kind of compare it to electricity, you know, 90 plus percent of the commodity from the ground to the burner tip gets there. Yeah. Uh, electricity is much, you know, much less efficient um, when you when you actually create it. Electricity is not a commodity. It's a product. And I think that's one of the things that people really kind of forget uh, in, the, in the grand scheme of things of really us talking about electricity. It is a product. It, uh, natural gas is a commodity. 
Um, so as we move forward, we really believe that there is a role for natural gas, even in a net zero carbon economy. And there are a lot of smart people that are a lot smarter than me, which doesn't take a lot. Um, but, you know, looking at things that, that uh, how gas can, can work with hydrogen in a low carbon economy. Uh, so there definitely is a place for it. But again, as I said earlier, in order for us to get there, we have to worry about and continue to drive down our methane emissions. Isn't it a reality? You talk, talk about hydrogen. Uh, isn't one of the realities about uh, the whole concept behind hydrogen cars and, and using hydrogen to, to create a cleaner power generation um, and transportation fleet, a lot of that hydrogen is going to have to be derived from natural gas, correct? That's my understanding. Again, that starts to get over my head, but um, but that's my understanding is that they go hand in hand. Yeah. Well, and, and we tend to focus on natural gas and its role in power generation because it's become such a huge generator of, of, of electricity here in this country. It's it's the biggest single component of our electric grid here in Texas for sure. But but there's so many other ways natural gas is used in our economy and chemicals and fertilizers. And, and I want to give you a chance to also kind of talk about the other roles natural gas plays in, in stimulating our economy. Before you answer that, Richard, let me just break in here real quick and try to get us to, because this is probably a, a little bit of a longer answer that you're going to have for us. Is one future going to be able to take the lowering of the admissions and take it into an area where you can explain it to people who do not have the understanding. So is is one future going to turn into something of an advocacy group to help explain to our elected officials how these windmills and solar panels aren't necessarily going to be the true entire electrical grid for the future, if you will. So I'm wondering, once you accomplished your mission, where does it go from there? We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to get David's questions answered as well as mine. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business, so you've got my attention. What is it? TEEK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free, no charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash teak and click on the join link enter your information and we'll get you set up join the texas energy advocates coalition at shellmag.com slash teak today remember this name oil field experts to locate any part anytime for your automotive or oil field equipment needs oil field experts specialty is those hard to find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965 from the auto repair shop to the pump jack Call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Richard Hyde, Executive Director of One Future. Richard, before the break, David had asked a question, but I wanted to kind of give you an opportunity to tell us 
once you, you're doing a great job, you guys are doing a fantastic job in lowering the emissions, uh, methane emissions, if you will, uh, from natural gas. But where was it going to go from there? Uh, are, how are you guys going to explain it to our elected officials that continue to make policies that they may or may not quite understand why they make these policies? So how do you explain the great work you guys are doing? And then let's talk about David's question as well. Okay, thanks. So, you know, I, mean, I, mean, I talked a little bit about methane intensity rate earlier. Let's flip that around and, and call that methane efficiency. So if we are able to drive down the um, – or basically increase the efficiency in which natural gas is moved from the burner tip – excuse me, from the wellhead to the burner tip to, such, to, a, to a very minuscule level, that then, in my opinion, allows us to say, you know, the, the – the knock against methane uh, or natural gas is methane emissions. If we lower those emissions to almost zero, if we can get to that point, then the incredible uses of back to kind of with David's questions, the uses for natural gas for there may be make plastic, we be able to heat your home as we were kind of in the midst of this first really cold front uh, of this kind of winter season, and people are using natural gas to heat their homes. Then I think st- some of the the stigmas and um, start to move away from natural gas. We can say we're in, we are the most efficient fossil fuel that can be can be utilized and it's utilized in almost everything that you touch, feel or see each and every day. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, policymaker, why wouldn't you use natural gas? Um, continue to use natural gas. It's an abundant supply. It's an American supply. It's, it's an cheap. affordable supply. Mm-hmm. It's, as we used to like to call it, it's AAA. There you go. David, jump back in here. I know you have plenty of questions. Sure. Yeah. Well, well uh, Richard, you, you know, I wanted to also uh, give you an opportunity to talk about the new report you guys published recently uh, titled uh, the 2019 Methane Emissions Intensity Report which talks about the great success your members have had in lowering their own intensity rate. I want to give you a chance to kind of talk about that report. It's, it's uh, just filled with incredible amount of of great information uh, and and kind of give us a summary of of what you found. Sure. So this is our third year to report. uh, And we uh, said we, our original goal is 1% by 2025. Uh, So this year we reported a 0.334% so, you know, 67% below our, our goal already. Um, and, and that was pretty much flat from uh, 2018 to 2019. The first year we reported, we were at 0.552. So we've already, I mean, the, in the last two years, we've even come down from our original report. We've increased the number of member companies that are reporting. Um, and we will continue to increase that as, as our membership continues to grow. I think what it shows is that our program works. Our program is driven on flexibility, and when you when you allow companies to uh, to pick and choose the technologies that make the most sense for their individual systems, because we're all different, you know, everybody's different. But you set a goal, and you say, "We want you to get to this goal by 2025." Here's the tools. You go figure out the most cost-effective, cost-efficient way for you to do it, and we'll report those. And that's what we're doing, and it's working. And and I think even in everyday life. We want to be not necessarily told exactly how to do it. We can we, we can be told that we have to go do it, but don't tell us exactly how to do it. Let us figure that out that works for us. And I think that's exactly the, the mantra that One Future is is using, and we now can show it works. So you've, you've dramatically exceeded your goal already. 
Um, is the group adjusting that goal as you go through the years? I mean, you're you're 67% below the goal for three years in a row now. And uh, I just wonder, do you do you actually readjust the goal as you you exceed the 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 one you said originally? You know, we, we've begun to have some discussions about that. Um, we intentionally, you know, when we started this, we thought, well, we needed several years worth of data before we, you know, just really decided whether we need to change the goal or not. Um, so I don't, I don't have a good answer to that question. Uh, we haven't made that decision yet. So the other question I have is, you know, you have a, a, a huge preponderance of uh, particularly the midstream industry in your mem membership already, but you don't have everyone. And I, and I wonder, you know, what, what does your organization to do, do to try to influence uh, the, the companies that are not a part of your organization to, to follow your lead on reducing these emissions? Yeah, so I'm not a real good salesman. Um, <laughs> you know, the, you look at the companies that are part of our organization, and they're progressive companies. Yeah. And really the way I look at it is I want someone who's going to come in, not only me, but the organization wants people to come in. They're going to roll their sleeves up and, and say that they're going to work to reduce their emissions. So I really kind of look at folks to reach out to me. And once they do, I'm happy to, you know, give them all the information they want to make a decision. But I have I don't make cold calls. We're going to get ready for break, but we know that this upcoming session, and David, you might weigh in on this too after break, but we know we've heard for all last year that the, especially Commissioner Wayne Christian, was very vocal about our industry, the energy industry, doing a lot of flaring and the need to reduce methane uh, at the wellhead. And yeah. we know that this upcoming session is definitely going to, it's going to be on topic they are looking to find ways. How closely are you guys working with the Texas Railroad Commission to give them these stats to help them to see, you know, what your operators or, or what your membership, excuse me, have been doing without any kind of regulation, but just doing the right thing, which I think that if given the chance, most people in the United States, if you're running a business that pertains to natural gas and you know you have methane, you're trying to look at solutions that make sense, uh, that are economically going to make sense for your company, but also help the environment as well, since there's such discussion on that. I want to get on this topic when we turn from break, but you're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Hi, I'm Kim Bellato, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I feel very comfortable going 
going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Do you know what artificial intelligence can do for your operation? It's probably time to find out. With Aspen Tech Software, your business can harness the full power of AI to achieve new levels of performance. Aspen Tech's leading-edge solutions are a critical part of the world's largest oil and gas, chemical, and engineering companies, helping them improve safety, sustainability, reliability. Drawing on decades of industry experience, Aspen Tech is using AI, machine learning, and predictive analytics to help companies digitally optimize the design, operation, and maintenance of their facilities. Find out how Aspen Tech can help you win tomorrow with the technology of today. Learn more at www.aspentech.com forward slash AI. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Richard Hyde, Executive Director of One Future. Richard, before the break, there's been a lot of discussion in the oil and gas industry on flaring. And Texas Railroad Commission here in Texas that monitors all the drilling has been very vocal about the need for operators to reduce the methane flaring of methane. And I understand that, you know, there needs to be some probably further discussion with the Texas Railroad Commission on the great work that your organization is doing, and we're happy to try to facilitate that discussion with them. Uh, But I want to jump on a topic that's pretty important, which is we believe, it looks like we might have a new administration. They are very, very pro anything but oil and gas to some degree, it seems like. I'm going to turn over the mic to David so you can ask some questions about this upcoming administration and uh, what Richard thinks. Go ahead. Yeah, Richard, of course, as, as Kim says, we're, we appear to be uh, about to enter into a, a new world um, with a new presidential administration, uh, Joe Biden and, and his uh, vice president, Kamala Harris. And uh, I'm, I'm just curious, you know, we, we're in, I think we're now formally in a transition phase. And I'm just wondering, does your group do you do outreach, political outreach kind of activities? And if so, what kind of uh, engagement are you, might you already be having with uh, the Biden-Harris transition team? Well, heretofore, we have not really been an advocacy group. Um, but I think with change in administration, um, our our position on that will, will change to the yeah. just to the point we're trying to get our message out. Um, I think Prior to this, you know, we really didn't have any data to back. You know, we thought it was a great program, but we didn't have any data to back it up. Now we do. So I think now is the time that we can go and, and, and advocate for our program with the Biden administration, with the new Congress as it comes in, and, and, and truly have some, some impact with them. Um, you know, our, our program was developed under the Obama administration. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, as you kind of look at some of the appointments that are being made, it, you know, there's, there are, obviously we don't know, you know, from an EPA standpoint, I haven't heard anything, uh, you know, of who the EPA administrator will be, um, but we have a great relationship with the staff um, at, at EPA 
and some of the folks that I am hearing the names for for um, some of the uh, Biden new Biden administration were around during the Obama administration. Right. So I think that we have a, a good at least opening to have conversations with these folks. Uh, and I think we have a, a great story to tell. Um, so we will continue to, you know, to work with them on that. David, I want to go into uh, real quick. So, you know, all these other alternative or renewables, if you will, they all still require the oil and gas footprint, if you will, to even exist. And here we have an association or a group that's actually doing their part to really meet the need of what we need. We need clean and expensive energy, and we need an abundance of it. I want to talk a little bit about the importance of the community understanding that I don't think it's necessarily wind and solar uh, against oil and gas. I, I want your thoughts, and Richard, yours too, on don't we kind of need all of these to work together? And it seems as though, Richard, your group has managed to bring a lot of them into this big tent structure, if you will that everybody's working well together for the same common cause and good. And I'm wondering, is there going to be an outreach into solar and wind to where they also, uh, they release admissions as well, not so much flaring, but are there any discussions on looking at other groups to kind of help support what you guys are doing? David, tell us a little bit about what you think the most important thing is that we can tell our listeners about why it's important that they understand Natural gas is such an important resource, and solar and wind are too, but they're not the only things, the tools that should be in your tool belt, if you will. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, without natural gas, as you said, uh, you have to have, for every megawatt of wind and solar power that you build, you have to have uh, some kind of alternative uh, that, that is, you know, runs 24 hours a day to back them up, the same capacity. And in Texas and many other states, that's almost all natural gas. Uh, generated capacity because you're able to stop and restart natural gas power plants, you know, within a, a, an hour or less, uh, whereas coal plants can take days to stop and restart. So it's the interrelationship there is undeniable. And Richard, yeah, I, 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 do you guys you, do you uh, have interface with the wind and solar folks, you know, who who really need natural gas power? Uh, in order to to exist, I think that's a really good question. No, I was going to say, as a one future organization, we have not to date. But that being said, many of our member companies are also in the renewable space mm -hmm. as well, especially yeah. on our on the distribution side, and even some of the producers are are in that space as well. So we have an entree there, uh, but we haven't, as you know, as I said, as a one future organization, we haven't done that. And see, that's kind of my argument. What was... about the news media? Oh. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say my argument was that is that it would be nice to see that all of them understand that uh, or the general perception is that we need them all, not just one or the other. Take your pick. David, go ahead. No, Richard, I'm just wondering, back to your report, I'm wondering if you've, you know, have, has that report gotten any attention from the establishment news media? You know, those organizations tend to only want to focus on reporting leads, on the negatives about leads, the oil and gas business. Yeah. I'm just wondering if 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 the report has gotten uh, any play within the within the mainstream news media. Uh, no, not yet. We uh, you know, we we try to place that um, in, with as many outlets as we possibly can, um, but we haven't been as as successful as we would like to be. We have had some successes, but not as much as we'd like to be. Yeah. Um, 
So we'll continue to work on that. And just to want to go back to your point or your question about the renewables. You know, one of the things, you know, natural gas is competing against renewables. And I think the renewable industry understands the need for natural gas. But to your point, um, both of you made that the the general public at large, I don't think, understands that. And that's one of the things yeah. I think that it's incumbent upon us as a, it's a natural gas industry to tell people what it is that we're doing and not necessarily what we're not doing. But tell them what it is we are doing. Kind of flip the message to be a more positive message. Um, so that's one of the things that we're going to work on this coming year is telling people, you know, as I said, uh, talking about methane efficiency as opposed maybe to methane intensity rates. Um, I think people understand efficiency more than they do I- intensity. Uh, so that's one of the things we're going to work on. Very good. Richard, I would like to thank you for coming in and being our guest today and talking about this report. For more information on the 2019 Methane Admission Intensity Report, you can go to shellmag.com. This segment will be posted on our website as well as a link to y'all's website as well if they'd like to get more information on the report. Um, And again, thank you for being a guest on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We learned a lot today. Thank you. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.